Well, hello, and welcome to Common Nonsense with Kevin and Kobe. I'm Kobe. And uh, I am that Kevin fella. Yeah, what, what's up, everybody? It's It's been another week in quarantine. Uh, for those of us in Colorado, it's almost another week not in quarantine. Look at that. Cur- hooray, we open up on Monday. April with, 27th. Yeah, with uh, Governor Jared Polis's safer at home orders. Honestly? Really surprised, um, you know, with Jared Polis being a Democrat. I thought we were going to see some more uh, petty authoritarianism, but we ended up getting pretty lucky in that um, we in that we are not seeing the kind of uh, authoritarianism in here in Colorado that places like Michigan and stuff we're seeing. So yeah, I feel bad for the people in Michigan. I feel bad for. Uh, the people in Idaho. I feel bad for Ooh. the people in Florida. <laughs> I Yo, feel bad so, for the people in New York. Okay, so I think we need to set the table. So what, particularly, you mentioned Idaho, particularly what is going on in Idaho right now? What recently happened? Well, back on Monday, I think, uh, a mom was arrested in a park. She took her kids to the to the playground and she was arrested there. Yep. And there were, it was an organized uh, civil disobedience thing where a bunch of moms were going to take their kids to the local playground and they disobey. Chose and they chose, and the police picked out, singled out one lady um, and arrested her. So what you're saying is there, there was a bunch of moms with their kids at this park, and the police singled out this particular mom to be the subject of the, you know... She was made an example of. So how did the people in the community respond? Well, just I think the next night or the same day, they showed up at the policeman's house and and stood there intimidating this policeman saying, you don't you're not allowed to do this anymore, which is so. First off, I want to say absolutely fantastic on the community. So what we need to what we need to understand about this is that this protest where they went to the police officer's house. I'm a big proponent of, you know, X percentage of police force needs to come from the community. And part of the reason for that is the community needs to be able to hold law enforcement accountable for what they're doing. This is an example of that. Um, from my understanding is that they they went to the police officer's house. There was no violence threatened, but they went there to um, voice their displeasure with how he was enforcing the law and how, you know, how he was acting in the community. And I think that is something that needs to be more common um, within our communities is this this willingness to voice our problems with the people that need to hear the problems. Um, we have. We have a very large issue with people having problems with how policing is done and then not voicing the issues until it's too late. Well, I think a lot of times from the group that I like to follow, you know, those first and second amendment auditors, which definitely they can be annoying. For those of you who don't know what a first or second amendment audit audit is, Kobe, would you mind explaining? Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's just regular citizens and they go to certain places that are in public, like public owned uh, parks, Mm -hmm. uh, libraries, uh, courthouses and stuff like that. And they push the line. They test these amendments. 
Yes. They so audit the local test, government. They, they are auditing their local police department and sheriff's departments and seeing how well they hold up the the constitution mm-hmm. so first amendment is filmings included yeah and uh most a lot of the states are single consent um single party consent states, single yeah. party consent states so you can just go around and film and so they go film at uh public libraries and they see how well these public employees by the way for handle the, by the way um being a government official counts as consent yeah, and so, as well as if you're in a two-party consent state, if they are a government official, um, you don't have to, you don't have to get them to say I consent. They are a government official; they consent. So in most states, I, I can't speak Sorry for every for state. Sorry for the interruption. No, you're good. But for most states, every public employee or official mm-hmm. has to answer what their name is when asked, and what their position is, and what they do in the government. Yep. And so they go around and and they'll go to an office building, and ask these these secretaries and stuff like that. What's your name and what do you do? And a lot of a lot of these these uh, secretaries, men and women, are like. Hey, you can't film in here. And he's like, and, and the auditor will say, yes, I can. This is public area. This is open to the public. There's no checkpoint or crossover to where it's like higher security. Yeah. It's not, this isn't a top secret government facility. Yeah. These are, these are open lobbies pretty much that just run down hallway or, you know, they'll go to their Capitol building, um, or whether it be just, you know, town hall or whatever and go talk to mayors and stuff to their secretaries and they film the whole, the whole instant. Or, um, a lot of them will film, uh, construction sites because actually that is something that we need to do more because there's a lot of injuries and a lot of damage claims that no one ever can prove or disprove because there's no footage. Yeah, no, that and that makes sense. But and and work and if you're trying to um, make sure that these these uh, construction workers are upholding safety, yeah. If if you have people not wearing safety helmets and stuff, you want to make sure that the people that you know that's going to cost yeah. you tax money <laughs> when they get hurt. Exactly. So I, yeah, I want to hold everyone accountable. Yeah. Whether it be police, construction workers, or your local secretary for your mayor. Yep. So we got a little bit sidetracked there, but uh, you were we were going into how this applies with the petty authoritarianism and everything uh, that yes. goes with that. Um, so as far as um, the these audits go, in uh, this Idaho situation, um, why is it so important that the people are willing? to openly protest non-violently mind you but just to voice their concerns it really holds policemen accountable um that's the best thing you can do for anyone it really calls them out on their bs yeah and says look we the people are not going to let you push us around yep don't fall on the wrong side of this join us and realize that whoever is telling you to do uh, to to violate and infringe on our rights yeah, they're in the You wrong. need to stand against them. Yeah. And hold them accountable. Uh, help us help you hold them accountable. Exactly. I think that uh, there has been this disconnect between police departments and the communities they're policing. I personally believe a giant source of that disconnect resides in the fact that police, um, 
police departments are no longer really comprised of uh, members of the community that they're policing. For instance, excuse me, um, in where I'm from in LA, like it's pretty well known you do not police the same jurisdiction in which you live. To me, that's wrong, and that's why there's so much distrust. If the people that were in the police department, if like your neighbors, if your neighbors are the police officers in the community, there's a lot more accountability to be had there than if they are just random people from other cities. And I think when you make them members of the community, it's no longer that they're going out and just looking at, you know, everyone's a potential criminal. They're going around, and even if they want to have that mindset, it's like everyone's a potential criminal except, you know, oh, that's that's Jillian over there. Oh, and that's, and that's, that's Frankie. Oh, and that's Tommy. Like, you obviously, know, these people. I know. Yeah. yeah like, no. Obviously. Yeah. That person is not of this description. Exactly. And so, like, I think it's incredibly important that we we seek to bring this community aspect of the police department back, because one of the greatest failings we have with our police departments is that they are not accountable to the community in that they are members of the community themselves. Look, if you if you bullshit someone, um, say I'm walking down the street yeah. or whatever, and a cop stops me, um, unless I'm actually detained, I don't have to answer any questions. Yeah. So I've seen, again, First and Second Amendment auditors who um, try to do these things. Then they just get arrested. Then... Five minutes later, once they get taken downtown, they have to immediately be yeah, released yeah. because they're like, There's oh, wait, we don't have anything to but, hold But them. here's the... But yeah. impossible to do that when you got to get up the next morning and the person you just did that to lives across the street and, and is watching and you while he's sipping coffee as you go get your, exactly. your newspaper. And there's not just that. There's also like... What if the police officers in the community, what if you had such a relationship that if they came to talk to you, you felt safe enough to have a good conversation with them? And that they weren't going to yeah, pull and that they some bullshit getting, on exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. So there was no reason to have to audit them on their on their compliance because you're not sitting here worried that this is going to turn into some kind of, um, you know, or like some kind of arrest and detainment and stuff like that. Okay. I need to... Big time check in on this. I have I've fell off the map when second semester started. Yeah, with a senior design this last semester and everything. When I, st- I had to really start working on a, a construction of it. Yeah. GT Bynum, that rat face mayor of of Tulsa. Yeah, we had uh, our sheriff department. Our uh, our sheriff. Yeah, was it him? I think so. Okay. Anyways, we had someone ahead of law enforcement go uh, down. No, no, it was PD. It was it was TPD. Tulsa PD. Yeah. Tulsa's PD's top guy or whatever. Yeah. His the captain or whatever. You may have seen him on live PD. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, he retired or whatever, and so they have to hire within the uh, the department to replace him. Yeah. And if there aren't any um, you know, qualified people, then the mayor is allowed to go hire outside. outside. He immediately tried to go hire outside and people were standing up and getting pissed off and stuff. But he, he was this close to getting away with hiring, um, whoever the head of like Baltimore was 
And I'm what? like, Bar- are you of all police departments? That's, that's what Baltimore? I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It was someone like that. It was Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit. It was a, a shithole town, like shithole city. That's that's turned. It's a shithole country. It's turned to crap because of how corrupt their police are, and then allowing free violence and stuff like that. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, Baltimore. That's how. That's how much I don't like that guy. But like, that's putting yeah. what you are saying. To the extreme level, when the top person, and it was, it was a black woman from, I, th- I, w- I want to say Baltimore, I can't remember though, somewhere up there. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, Baltimore is probably one of the best police departments in all of America, known almost exclusively for how, um, just for the standard. By which they uphold the law, you know, Uh like Baltimore is that when you're talking about police departments that are totally accountable and don't commit any corruption, Baltimore, that's what I'm saying to come for those of you who can't can't hear to my voice. Baltimore is probably the pinnacle of corrupt, disgusting, absolute shit brain police departments. I feel bad for the people that have to live under that. If you live in Baltimore and you are putting the Freddie Gray stuff like. Honest to God, I will never advocate for violent riots, obviously. But the Freddie Gray riots were just... It was an inevitability with the way the police department interacted with the community. There was no accountability. There was absolutely zero. There was like... They were so corrupt. They have been caught on their own body cams placing evidence the police department in baltimore is disgusting yeah and oh my god we're probably gonna get shot for saying that dude i i hate crooked cops though like yeah, no. i don't even care I, like there's crooked ones in tulsa too and we, i hate so, that so here's the thing i love i adore police officers that understand their role and they work to uphold it like to the 99 percent of you that out there in the police force that are there because you want to do right by the communities you serve and you and you love the people that you serve and you're out there trying to just provide a safer environment like please you are doing a wonderful job but to those of you in the police force that that are there to bully and there to abuse your power and are there because it makes you feel good to have people below you my god you are the utter pits of garbage of humanity like the scourge of the earth they are <laughs> the you are the most disgusting vile humans i can think of and it is absolutely right when people ha- like it should not get to the point that people have to write because i say the 99 percent. because let's put it this way in baltimore like 50 percent of them weren't good like the baltimore had like a 30 percent hit rate of good police officers yeah is is bad um, like here in fort, fort collins i'm pretty sure we have a 99 percent positive rate on our officers like very rarely been acting ever. shady lately i mean like this is causing shadiness everywhere so i'm just gonna like I, i'm gonna give coronavirus a special like everything was fucking weird at this time so like during this period if you acted weird that's if if you continued that behavior after I'm going to judge you, but during, no one knows what's going on. I'm going to give you a pass as long as you acknowledge you were being weird, right? But Baltimore, 
This was going on long before any of that. Like Baltimore's a shithole, man. I know, dude. It's an absolute shithole. Like their their football team sucked until they drafted Lamar Jackson and said, "Fuck it, maybe we'll let you throw a couple times." Their baseball team is absolute trash. Uh, like the Maryland Terrapins. Like, come on, like hey, they got cool jerseys. They though. got dope jerseys. But when was really the last time cool they were jerseys. relevant in any sport? Like, they were relevant in the early 2000s for basketball, but that's long gone. Like, yeah, they, they were relevant good, for the first two football games they, this year. They have good players come out of Maryland, which is cool. But, yeah. What, Fred Van Fleet? No, not even him. No, it wasn't Fred Van Fleet. It was uh, some, yeah, I don't even remember. I don't I've even remember the last good Maryland Durbin there was. Oh, I've seen them. They always have someone go in the first round, just about. It, mostly Lyman, I think, but... Anyways, they have really cool jerseys. Um, they have great music, and DC is basically in Maryland, so I think that's cool. I mean, half I'm Maryland, like, half Virginia. I'll just be real. Any place where you look at it and you're like, "This has become an utter shithole," especially in America, it just makes me. To me, it just makes me feel like shit because, like, to me, it's not okay. Like Detroit, Detroit should not be a shithole Detroit in the 19 up until like the mid 1970s yeah the 70s I think was yeah. the richest city on planet earth yeah it was and <laughs> the leftists absolutely destroyed the old pictures are cool like Detroit and it's getting but kind it it's like on its way back up again but like it, it makes it it's heartbreaking for me because like why don't you do that, Kev? Look, Why don't you go buy property in, in Detroit? I mean, like, at this point, it's like there was a point when I should have done it, when you could buy almost entire city blocks with property, property for 10 grand. But um, I, you have to do it with cash because no one's giving you the loan That's for true. it. That's and true. And now, now Detroit has become gent- like it's gentrifying. Detroit is on the up and up. Thank Jesus. I know they're because back. they had it's they got back. hit hard with those conservative policies. Well, yeah. But um, Detroit's on the up and up again. But it's th- <sighs> I fucking hate what the Democratic Party. Has done to black, you really black mad, and Latino fucking communities in America. The Democratic Party has goddamn destroyed these communities. Yeah, it is utterly my. fucking disgusting that the only um, great figures we see coming out of these, out of Detroit, out of Atlanta, out of Houston, out of, like, it doesn't matter which fucking black community it is, Chicago. The only people we see coming out of these communities are basically athletes and President Obama. You're either an athlete or you're President Obama. And it's, it makes me so fucking angry because it is disgusting. It is disgusting what has happened it is disgusting how these communities have been so effectively kept down and manipulated and lied to i'm sick of it because there is no greater lie than the republicans are racist and keeping you down in the middle of fucking chicago yeah Like, if you live in Chicago and you somehow think that your problems are being caused by the Republican Party, like, that is just 
evidence to how effectively the Democratic Party has lied to you and manipulated you and cheated you out of what is rightfully yours. And what is rightfully yours is prosperity. Not if maybe it's maybe you're 70 years old and it's not yours, but it is your children's right or it was your grandchildren's right and it was robbed from you because of a Democratic Party that seeks to lie and control and manipulate. And it is so God, it makes me so angry. You want to know something more disgusting than that in particular? What? Juicy Smollett. No, it's Juicy Smollett, the French actor. Okay. That's how Chappelle... Uh, he it spells juicy small. Hey, let's let's avoid some litigation here. Juicy small, yay. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> for him to lie about it. This is who the I fuck think believes that it's is disgusting. Like Dave Chappelle got like port bleach poured on him and shit. Dave Chappelle's skit nails it so effectively. Like, um, excuse me, what white racist Trump supporting MAGA hat wearing motherfucker? is out at 2 a.m. on the coldest night in Chicago and notices the em- gay black empire star as the faggot N-word he is. He's not even that famous, though. He isn't! He's like he's like a secondary character. That's the crazy... Like, that is he's how disgusting it is to me. He, re- But you want to know? He's a smart person. And you know why he did it? Because he's a smart person. He was smart enough to realize that there aren't actually the racial crimes going on that people are getting hit, like claiming are being committed, but everybody thinks they are. So he assumed if he did it, they would. it would occur in such a time that everyone would assume of course it happened america's racist and gross he got away with it for like two weeks (laughs) no how long was it dude you want me to be real i I remember when this happened because i remember the night it had like the first time i heard it uh, i felt gross for thinking Maybe he faked it. I was oh, like, I, I think he might. I, so I agree. I, I, I immediately said, nah, dude, no, the conservative outlets, it took less than a day. It took less than a day for conservative outlets to start saying it. Three days in, not even CNN could say, like, CNN had to drop it, was fighting to drop it. Okay. But I'm, no, I'm but just like, going based off this, of Chicago police saying yes we've acquired the evidence that no, no, no. Okay, he okay, had okay, okay. written the check okay. and this and so, that and that was like two or three weeks later so within the like the first day or two it was like the conservative outlets were like twitter was exploded <clears throat> yeah and people talking but, about but like people like kamala for, harris for juicy. Well, do you remember what kamala harris was saying Nah. Kamala Harris was like, obviously this happened so we need to prosecute and we need to like of course this happened because America's racist remember when it fits the narrative, of course. As soon as it's, and then as started, as soon as evidence came out that it might not have happened, they were saying like, mm, maybe we should wait. Mm, excuse me, maybe we should wait for the evidence. And it was like, huh? All right, she jumped right on it. Oh, she were, she said something about it like an hour after we had found. Oh out. yeah, 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 yeah. No, they were they were ta- jumping all over it right away. But it was yeah. like the conservative outlets were like, okay. You find me the redneck Trump supporting MAGA hat wearing motherfucking racist that you that you think you're describing and then prove to me that that person was in Chicago at 2 a.m. outside of a subway and noticed the Empire Star, the gay black Empire Star. You know what I originally thought it was? 
I originally thought, first off, I was like, nah, he lying. And then I saw the pictures of his face. And I said, what if he's just lying on who it was? And it was just uh, like super conservative. Uh, Gangbanger. I, more or less. Yeah. A black guy who just really hated gay people. Hey, Kobe. Because black people hey, don't hey, really Kobe. like gay people. Hey, Kobe. What's up, man? Why did Pete Buttigieg really fall out of the race? Uh, Why he did had, he never he, send he a had chance? He no black vote. The blacks didn't vote for him. Can we, can we talk about something semi-controversial right now? Hey, Kevin, why didn't the blacks vote for him? Um, black gay, communities he tend to hate gay hub. people. It's, yeah, he's gay, bro. They don't. So can we? What <sighs> we need to do. Statistics. No, nah, let, me, let me put a caveat yeah, okay. real quick. Not every black person. No. I'm not even saying black people don't like hate gay people. Okay, so yeah, that was, that was, that was a. I shouldn't have said it that way. What I, no, what I, I, I say it like that too, though. Yeah, no. But they do not tend to like gayness statistically as a group yeah as a group they vote down gay marriage left and right prop eight what's yes, the so most beautiful example of let's that let's talk california? about this example in california in 2008 ish um proposition eight it was like 2010 actually proposition no, eight it was went on 2008 the ballot, uh, went eight, on the ballot 2008 um went on the ballot and it was to make gay marriage legal in california and it failed Namely because black and Latino communities in California came voted out overwhelmingly against it because they came out black and Latino. The secret is what is you want to know the great secret that the Democratic Party has been trying to hide for damn near 50 years, if not more. Actually, we're approaching 60 years. Holler at me, Kevin. Is that black and Latino communities are more conservative than they would like to believe. The only reason that they are not voting conservative is that they are convinced the Republican Party is racist. If the Republican Party can, not even the Republican Party, but young conservatives now, our generation has the ability to do this, can show just how non-racially based our policy is, the Democratic platform falls apart. It crumbles. Yeah, I I actually want to say something. Um, with, with everything that we're seeing, with the, the grassroots right getting agitated at police and government overstepping their boundaries, telling us what we can and cannot do, throwing around uh, like ideas of maybe we should track people's phones and shit and put make sure that they have the vaccine when we get that developed, you're going to piss off the right. And the right, because they've been at home for so long, yeah. they have a lot of built up testosterone and a lot of built up energy. And we are not going to be taking any bullshit coming into 2020, like into the election, into November. And Here, wait, but here's another thing. Yeah. If this coronavirus quarantine lockdown was enough to piss off black people and Latinos, if they will come out and and show how much they are moving right, mm-hmm. it's over for the left. We are much too energized, and we will be coming in with way too much momentum in Trump's next four years that I don't even think we're going to let go. That it will be at the end of Trump's four years, we're going to say, look, we're not going to take any more of what the left is going to give us. Yep. It's going to be our way. Or there's not going to be a way. And, and I fully agree. And uh, we're going to get into this some 
we are absolutely going to get into this some more when we come back, but uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, some more controversial uh, topics here on Common Nonsense with Kevin and Kobe. And welcome back for some more Common Nonsense with Kevin and Kobe. Um, before we left for break, we were discussing the fantastic things the Democratic Party has done for black communities since they put the... Uh, since I started the war against poverty in 1964, you know, um, if you wouldn't mind for me, um, what was Lyndon B. Johnson's exact quote when he was asked, you know, what he can do for the Democratic Party? All right. Can I say one thing about this quote? Yes. I have not been able to confirm that he actually like it's the, not so it's just an assumption because it's been handed down for so long generation by generation as a rumor of someone who was on well, the plane yeah, with him yeah his advisors have said that he said this yeah and i it's coming from close to him and it's been it's held on it will so work long. so effectively that like yeah i feel like i feel like it, it's most likely probably true that he said something to this effect, if not this exactly. Yeah. And he said he'll have those niggers voting Democrat for the next hundred years. So, 1965, the Republican Party's got it going. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, no. I mean, if you look at the uh, Civil Rights Act, you yeah. know, when, that got passed through, mm -hmm. nearly none of the Democrats voted for it. Yeah, well, it was, Kobe, it was all that's because Republican and independent. That's because senators. those Democrats that were voting against it were secretly Republicans. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That. And know. then they then they blame the 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 Dixie flip, um, those the, Dixie the, Democrats. The Southern strategy. Whereas, who was the first president, by the way, to be um, to be Republican and win the South? After Nixon, obviously. It's a, Reagan. Well, I mean, he technically did, but they they give the credit to George W. Oh, George H. W. That's who they give the credit to. Because like, I, I mean, so but because it, it wasn't until his election that not only did the South vote for a Republican president, but the congressional and senatorial seats followed suit. Oh, okay. Because uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Reagan won almost 80-20, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I just... Yeah, he, he fucking killed it. But no, it, was, it wasn't until, I think it was the George H.W. president like election, where not only did the South itself vote Republican, but it followed suit in its, in its senators and congressional Fair enough. persons. Fair enough. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that the, Demo the Republican Party, pretty much since its inception, has been on the right side of history. And even if you take the Civil Rights Act... The Republican Party was still on the right side because it was Republicans in Congress and the Senate advocating for the Civil Rights Bill. Um, even since then, it still hasn't deviated from that course. What major event has come up that the Republicans, you can actively say, are on the wrong side of history for? Patriot Act. The Patriot Act? You know what? You got me. That's, I, that's what I'm going to go with. You know what? I was caught there. I was thinking something along the lines of like racial... Oh, um, with racial, no, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't personally found anything that is like blatant. 
But the Patriot Act, you know what? Uh, Other the than Patriot gerrymandering? Act, yeah, gerrymandering is always, yeah, but I know. I, both sides do it. Yeah, I know. And Everybody you can't tell me that both sides don't do it. And you can always tell what side gerrymandered because the other side is going to make sure you hear about it until the next census. Yeah, so, I mean, if you honestly just look at any any um, town or, or county that is consistently always won by one particular yeah. group, they probably gerrymandered the hell yeah, out no. of it. They're the, but um, aside from that, right, um, the, what we have to realize is that they're the Patriot, you know what? I'm going to hand you the Patriot Act. For those that don't know, the Patriot Act, basically after 9-11, it's a series of uh, measures put in place by the government that basically um, extends their ability to spy on Americans. Granted, it does not give them the all-encompassing right. I'm going to tell you, as a former signals intelligence collector and analyst for the United States government... We are not actively trying to go into American people's lives without a warrant. However, being able to say, look, if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to worry about is not the same as being able to say we are respecting American rights. True. Um, it is true that if you are doing nothing wrong, you have nothing to worry about. But that sh it should not be the case that... Um, there That's is not the what potential. I should have to depend on. Exactly. There is not. There should not be the potentiality that innocent people are getting spied on. Uh, the thing about this, because this really, um, this really came to light during the Edward Snowden fiasco back in like yeah. 2013, which was in, coincidentally when I was going through training. And I know was, you hate Snowden. Yeah. So I hate Snowden because he was an IT specialist that really revealed nothing new. You can go back and you can look up the amount of people that lost their jobs because of what he revealed. He revealed a lot of illegal activity, but the thing is, these people had been fired. They had been punished because the NSA and the signals intelligence apparatus that the, mil that the military uses is very good about auditing itself. Now, and I know I know his collateral damage was really bad. Yes. Yes. 100%. But it would have been nice if they would have been up front about these people did this and we fired them. Well, the thing is, is that when you say these people did this, you have to basically reveal the technology. Like, so the thing is, is that when you're doing this with the secret FISA courts, the problem with them is the reason they exist is that if you're to make them public, the very nature of of going about the case and presenting the evidence reveals top secret collection capabilities, reveals military capabilities that you cannot have the enemy uh, becoming aware of. Famously, uh, there was a senator in the late 90s who revealed that we could track cell phones. At the time, we were tracking this one Saudi man by the name of Osama bin Laden, uh, better known as Osama bin Laden. Wow! Right. Look at look at look at your Arabic. <laughs> no, skills. no, that was just me. That was just me intentionally butchering it. But but Osama, uh, once that senators talked about how we could track phones, it was never the same again. We lost him. We did not find that man again until we killed him in Pakistan. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. So that's that's always the worry that with these top secret FISA courts with this top secret. This is why 
We need a judicial system that is accountable and that is honest and that is that we know that when they are making these decisions, such as granting a top secret FISA warrant, they are doing so with the full understanding of their responsibility to the American people. They are only granting this warrant because it meets all the criteria necessary for a normal warrant. It's just the response that it requires top secret means in order to collect the information. Um, but the problem we are presented with is a judicial system that has repeatedly shown that it has no accountability. And this is going to come back to the black and Latino communities. We have a, we have a judicial system that is not accountable. And not only is it presenting itself within these top secret FISA courts where stuff like the Carter Page FISA warrant is being approved, mind you, that warrant never should have been approved. You know, uh, I remember reading it and I'm just going through this thing like, holy shit, if I had ever presented something like something like what's on the unclassified side, what's being presented in this warrant, if I had presented that and be like, yo, can I get a warrant to collect? I'd have been m murdered. Like, yeah. at least from the from what you can read on the unclassified side is that's the only thing that I've ever seen. That's the only thing that I've ever seen. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least on the unclassified side, there is nothing that appears in that document that would say to me, there is a warrant necessary here. Granted, there is a lot blacked out. I don't have, I'm not privy to what's contained within it uh, as far as the top secret means go. But I can only comment that um, with the, when I was going through training, the amount of emphasis put on the rights of the American people to privacy and everything like that, I could not see how uh, the Carter Page FISA warrant would be approved. And granted, I need to once again caveat, I have not seen the, uh, the, the classified version. I have not seen the top secret. I am only going off what the public has knowledge of. And based on that, you know, it just, it just makes so apparent the problems that we're fine, that are presenting themselves within our judiciary system. And, you know, Black and specifically, and I'm going to keep saying black and Latino communities, specifically these communities have been targeted by the Democratic Party over the last 50 years. And they have been the victims of the, of, you know, they've been the victims of judicial systems that are out to punish and try to test the, the idea that if you put everyone, if you put everyone, um, excuse me. If you put everyone behind bars, it's going to create a safer environment, yada, yada, yada. What we really need to understand is that our judiciary, our judicial system itself is lacking accountability. It's lacking something. Let's put it this way. Your congressman, your president, you can hold them accountable by voting them out of office. You can hold them accountable by having congressional committees, yada, yada, yada. There's X number of steps you can take to make sure that your congressional representatives are being held accountable. Mm -hmm. Kobe, what can you do to make sure a judge is being held accountable in America? A, a federal judge? Hmm. Accuse them of sexual assault. No, they'll still end up on the court. <laughs> <laughs> nothing that I know of, dude. Yeah, so that's that's the problem. Absolutely is that nothing. That not I know. only the problem is that not only are there justices 
um, on the courts that probably have spotty track records. I am not saying Judge Kavanaugh is one. In fact, I'm saying to the contrary. But we have created a system in which, in which ju- the judicial system is, in fact, the most powerful system because it has no accountability. One of the great failings of, of the Founding Fathers was their lack of jurisprudence put out in the Constitution. Yeah. And, you know, it's affected these communities. But I want to ask you, Kobe, in your opinion, what are some of the most damaging things that have... What is case number one? If I had to ask, what is the biggest issue that you see that needs to be resolved in specifically black communities in America? What is your response? It will always be forever my answer currently (laughs) that uh, having fathers out of the household is easily the largest issue that black Americans hold. Um, The the statistics are there, blatant, loud and clear, that having a two-parent home keeps your kids out of jail. It lets them have better opportunities for school. And it pushes them automatically into a higher tax bracket nearly every time. How dare you condemn single motherhood, those brave, beautiful women. Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter said it very aggressively. Um, She said, it's so obvious that uh, single mothers are the worst thing for their kids. <laughs> and oh my these, god. These moms on this this daytime talk show were these Karen's. These Karen's were triggered. Oh my goodness. Motherfucking Karen. Yeah, Karen's were triggered. I was like, wow, that's savage how to come out with it. Like, I mean, obviously it's a true statement, but you would everyone expects her to word it nicer. And she just came out full guns a blazing and said, obvious. Uh, single moms are the worst thing for their kids. It's <laughs> like that's so savage. What is it that Jesse Lee Peterson said? Uh, he said you got to be able to forgive your mother. Yes, uh, I thought you were talking about <laughs> something else. He said a lot of things. He said a lot of things. He said but, a lot of things. But so, so you, so to you, one of the biggest issues there is is the. This propping up of the single mother that the left does. Yeah, obviously awesome if, if like, their husband died. Yeah. And they're there being are certain circumstances and, to be commended, and, and obviously. And really holding down the household the best they can. Father like, dies tragically. Awesome. That's great that she was able to overcome the loss of her husband and be able to provide for her kids the best she can. But what about but, in the what about in the tragic event that the man that she slept with was never was unemployed, uh, had never presented any ability to be a father, and left at the first sign of a child? What about that kind of tragic event? That should be. Uh, I think it should be treated carefully in, in the way where we don't say, look at terrible, bad decisions you made. What about the second or third time that happens though? Okay. Then yeah. Yeah. You come out full guns blazing and say, you are stupid and you're being an idiot. You need to get your shit together and, and step up and be the woman that you need to be And, and bring in a man that needs to be a man. And Kobe, uh, is there any kind of like statistic that says that one race does this more than the other? Not that I know. Yeah, no, because guess what? 
no matter what race you want to know what race is putting out the most single mothers in america right now who white I know they're up on the uptick, real, real. Even hard. at the uptick, they're putting out because you got to consider. Well, that's what I'm 30, saying. I, so I, I right know now, they're going up. Yeah, so, in single parent. Yeah, so right now the black community is about seventy three percent. The white community is about 34, 35. Oh, I thought it was in the forties by now. It's 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 approaching some okay. areas. It is, but when you also consider that black the black people are thirteen percent of the population, true, and white people are sixty seven. Yeah, true. Yeah, so what people need to, what people fail to recognize, because a lot of people use this to prove, like they'll use this as a racial incentive, because also Latino communities are almost identical to black communities In as, a far lot as, of ways. as far as the percentages go. White communities put out the most by volume. Black and Latino communities are almost tied as far as like by percentage. The fact of the matter is, is it doesn't matter what race you are. Um, the results are the same. If, if you are white, black, red, brown, purple, blue, green, it doesn't matter. If you are a single mother raising children or multiple children from multiple fathers, the chances that your children are going to be criminals is, is three and a half to five times more likely than the normal population. Um, you can go to any prison in America, no matter where you're at, what state it is, what percentage, it doesn't matter what they're, it could be a hundred percent white. You walk in there, get everybody in the room and you say, you ask one singular question. If I put a gun to your head and I said, you get to ask this prison one question and you have to get 70% of them to raise their hands or I kill you. You know what question you can ask no matter what the racial demographic is? How many of you grew up in a single parent home? Yeah. How many of you grew up with one parent? At minimum, 70% will raise their hand. Yeah. So, I okay. Yeah. I, I agree. You agree. I think most of our listeners are, are going to be on board with this. I think you've confused people I, by bringing in the Jesse Lee Peterson quote. You said that. Oh, that that the, you know you there has to be a forgiveness of the mother. Of the that, mother. That's a separate so, issue altogether. Okay, but at least define it. At least how you feel what it means to you yeah. when he says that, and and then I'll I'll go ahead and do what so, I think he means. So there's there's, so when you have a single mother and you're raised by a single mother, and all you ever have is that single mother, inherently instinctively you notice what you're missing mm -hmm. you you feel what you're lacking and there's that anger because you were deprived of the father you deserve and there's always going to be that anger towards your mother for for your father being the kind of man that would leave and until you can forgive your mother for for putting you in this situation you're not going to be able to move on. So that is what forgiving the mother is, is forgiving her for the crime of sleeping with a man who was never going to be a father. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly how I, I interpret it as well. So yeah, it makes total sense though. So if you're listening to this and, and you grew up or you know, someone who grew up in a single parent home, see, look, look for that. 
No, it's not going to be everyone. No, but it will be a lot of people, a especially lot of the ones that are seem failing. to yeah, and seem to never be able. Always feel like they have something heavy There's on them. Something holding them back. It's something holding them back. A lot of times, it's internalized. So it's that internal yep. anger that until they're able to get away from that negativity and that negative thought process twenty four seven, you cannot succeed. Yeah. Um, you know, mindset is a big, big thing for everything in your life. It's as if your life is is the water flowing in a river and you're trying to get to the other side of a dam, but you're not even attempting to break down the dam. Yeah. You're 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 not doing anything to clear the obstacles in your way. Um, and so you're always going to limit yourself if you're if you are unwilling to take the step necessary to acknowledge, hey mom. I love you. You've done amazing things for me. But my God, am I angry at you for provi- for not providing me with a father? Yeah. So Jefferson's one of more, one of his more famous quotes is I I find it funny or hilarious that uh the harder I work, the more lucky I am. Yeah. And I he did miss I think either I don't know the full, I haven't read that particular passage of a letter or whatever he wrote, but if I had to guess just by his other writings, there's a caveat in saying that not only am I working, but I have a great attitude towards my work. I think, I think. And having the the positive attitude and everything else, that is when you get lucky. I, I, I think what he's trying to say there is a lot of people attribute luck to this great thing that like makes things go your way. And there's nothing to explain for it. What he's trying to say there is like, I work my ass off. I put, I put myself in the, in the position to, to succeed. Exactly. And then and I get lucky is, as well. And, yeah. No, I know. I, I, but I'm saying as yeah. well as having yeah. a great attitude is what really yeah. Oh, yeah. sets you apart from other people. Having like, so when my now, mother. No, no yeah. you're not going to be able to do impossible stuff. But, you know, like I do have to say, though, so. But I think you would be very surprised at what is possible. Well, That's my the mother, crazy thing. So my mother was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, bone marrow cancer when I was six months old. She was given six months to live. And uh, I remember her telling me the story. And she was basically at the time, like he, they, the doctor was telling her, you need to get your affairs in order. You need to say goodbye to your son and daughter. And she's like, yo, I just, my son's six years old. Fuck you. I'm not going anywhere. And she spent the next 25 years of her life, 24 years of her life just fighting because like her whole attitude was like, no, I'm not done here. I have more to accomplish. And she what she never gave up until she was for sure that the legacy she wanted to leave behind was going to be left behind. Yeah, and so you were you were 25 when Yes, yeah, so, so I was 24. She passed away. She passed away on June 7th, 2014 or 2017, sorry. Um that is awesome that you were able to know her for so for as long oh as you God. were. Now I know obviously it's never long enough. Like I No, it's even if my parents look, are around till I'm 40 or 50, it's not enough. Look, man, like there's never enough, but at the same time, there's absolutely, she did enough. Um, she, so multiple myeloma is a cancer that eats away at your bone marrow. It, it uh-huh. literally destroys your bone marrow. Which eats is, away. that sounds extremely It painful. is considered one of, if not the most painful disease a human can have. Um, 
when she was going through neuropathy, when it was killing off all the nerves she had, it was, it is described as someone taking a red hot spear, as hot as a spear can be and remain to be solid. That's how I'll describe it. And just driving it slowly up the entirety of your, her leg, because that's what was going through neuropathy at the time. Just imagine a red hot spear being driven at the speed of pain. Yeah, because bone leg. marrow transplants are some of the more. She had a stem cell. Painful. She was one of the first people to like. She was one of the test subjects for the stem cell therapy. That's awesome. She got lucky as hell that she met Dr. James Berenson, who is. One and remains to this day one of the most brilliant human beings I think and, on the and, face of the and earth. Her taking that, um, the risk yeah. of it, yeah. gives so much more. Um, oh, she is a she was such a source of research and positive knowledge yeah, going forward. Uh, that's going to help more people, and yeah. I'm sure that made her extremely happy yeah, as well. No, she she herself was always whenever we would go to her her uh, her chemo like her chemo clinic. Um, she was always one of the worst ones off in the room, right? Uh-huh. She was in her wheelchair. She had been through hell and back. My God, that woman, like, if there were battles humans could go through through the pits of hell, she would be able to describe them to you, like, vividly, right? Um, but she was also, she was always one of the worst off, but she was also almost always, they would always put the new patient next to her because they're like, all right, so if we want someone to have hope, we're putting them next to Margie. Yeah. Like we're sitting them next to the woman who was told she had six months to live and it's been 17, 18 years now. Um, and so they would, they would always put the newbies next to her because they knew like, look, she is, she's in a wheelchair. She cannot move. She has experienced the worst. You're not going to experience what she had there. Listen to her, talk to her and you'll, all that, all that a conversation with Margie LaRusso is going to do for you is fill you with hope. And so, um, to me, it's that attitude. Like, she had this terminal disease, but all she ever did or all she ever tried to do was make sure the people she talked to had the same hope she had for a future. And that, to me, is the same hope that the Democratic Party gives to black and Latino communities, but never takes the steps to provide it because that is the antithesis of what they need to do. Well, For the- you, yeah, you get people, um, it's like a drug dealer. Yeah. You get someone hooked and promise them this, this high, this success, this whatever, and you only give them enough just to sustain them, well, it's but be- never to actually break away. It's because the democratic platform relies on near solutions, not actual solutions. That is what a welfare check is, though. It's yeah. enough. It's they, enough they to need, keep you satisfied. Let me, let me ask you, for those of you who might be Democratic listeners, I want you to ask yourself, what would happen if the Democrats actually solved the problems I bring up? What would ha- what, where would they stand? Would they disappear or would they just say this is good enough? Because that's the biggest complaint with the Conservative Party is that the Conservative Party seeks to say this is enough. But does, is there any point at which the Democratic says Democratic Party says this is enough? No, no, there is not. Because let's case let's case in point. I'm sure there are those of you listening to us that adore the environment. In fact, I truly 
love America. I think that we live in the most beautiful country Damn that has right. ever faded, right. that has ever like existed on planet earth you cannot see the grand canyon you cannot see the redwoods you cannot see the prairies you cannot see the rockies you cannot see the, the appalachians flats. you cannot see you cannot go across america the every little mountain range you cannot go across america and not be awestruck by the beauty it presents the black hills bro since i spring break i finally got to go up to the black hills for the first time gorgeous man it is so gorgeous going to look at Mount Rushmore and like around that area and Crazy Horse. Yeah. Oh my goodness, what a gem of America is the Black Hills. That 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 place is gorgeous. It it, it it's just and as I gorgeous. I have as, not seen it myself, but I do and not see, I've doubt been it. To Yosemite, Yosemite. Oh, it was Yosemite gorgeous. is gorgeous. I, Yellowstone is. Gorgeous. The Grand Tetons, gorgeous. Oh I've driven. My goodness, I've been I love through Zion. Like I've driven through Utah. Like driving through Utah on the seventy, it is so barren and so empty and just so utterly beautiful. It is to me, there is no greater beauty on this earth than the environment America has. I, as a conservative, want to preserve that. Which is why I, as a conservative, advocate so uh, fervently for nuclear energy. Yeah. I have one more thing about, about... I give Kansas a lot of shit for how flat they are and everything. Yeah. But I have driven through Kansas, southern, central Kansas, early morning when the dew and the fog are still around. And watching the cows graze on some of their very soft hills... Gorgeous. There's so much beauty to be found in every corner of America. Yeah. I think you are blind. That the if, but, you, but you know what? No, I can't even say you're blind because even blind people in America can appreciate the beauty that we present. Because you know like, where I haven't been, I really want to go. You are Niagara Falls, dude. Ni I want to go to so many different places in this freaking country because there's so I have. If you ever get the chance, what you want to do is fly into San Diego, rent a car, and drive from San Diego to Tacoma, Washington, to Seattle, wow. on Pacific Coast Highway, Highway 1, the entire way. Never stray from that path. It is the most beautiful drive in America. I should do that. I, I you know, I've been you out to California. Stop along the way. You stop along the way and you hike through the like there. You hike through beautiful beaches on cliffside beaches. You hike through Malibu. You hike through San Diego. You hike through Big Sur. You hike through the redwoods. San Francisco, like it goes everywhere. Like, San Francisco's really pretty. It's if beautiful. If it didn't smell like shit. Yeah, no, if there wasn't actual fecal matter just lining the streets. But it's a very interesting place because it's, you know, it's right off the coast of the bay. Yeah. And then it's this massive hill. It's beautiful. No, I'm like, so you what is up with this huge ass hill? You right want to know what's really shitty is that uh, San Quentin is some of the most prized like land in America. And uh, there's a prison there. Yeah, those prisoners get wonderful, beautiful <laughs> oceanside views there. Yeah, uh, whatever. Okay, so nuclear. Yeah. You're a big fan of nuclear. I'm a huge fan. I am a humongous fan of nuclear. You know why? Why? Because it's the solution that we're all looking it for. It is the obvious solution currently. Yes. So I, wait I'm a hoping second. that we can make something even better. So 
nuclear, you first heard about that on CNN or MSNBC, right? Because they're leftist news stations and the leftists love the environment, right? Yeah, no, no, I don't think I've ever heard CNN talk about nuclear energy. Oh, not, no. not at full, at least. Well, <laughs> I wonder why that is. <clears throat> Maybe because they're trying to keep us in the dark about solutions and actual advancements of the American people or just people in general at this point. But first it'll start with America and then it'll spread to other. But right now Europe is, is leading the world. The Yeah. The whole world in nuclear power yeah. and they're showing how well it actually works. Yep. How safe it is. Um, why? So what is the biggest, you know who to blame? Who? Jimmy Carter. Yeah. So what did Jimmy Carter do? So Jimmy Carter, um, post, uh, cold war, I guess. Um, when we had these great plants, he's right towards the end. Yeah. He late seventies, early. Yeah. Right before Reagan. Exactly. So, um, towards the end of cold war, um, he, he closed down. I want to say, I'll have to pull up the official numbers, but he closed down some of our nuclear plants and he signed into law that we are not allowed to recycle a nuclear waste. Instead, what we'll do is we will uh, capture it um, in barrels such as nickel alloy barrels and stuff like that to hold the radiation and bury it in these large underground caverns Yeah, um, in Nevada mostly. Um, in other places as well, tried. or they can place them in the lake nearby because you need water to run nuclear plants. Um, and then in the lake nearby, what you'll do is you'll put it in the water and, and, and hold it there. So what happened was we were building up our nuclear grid. We were building up our nuclear infrastructure and we were running into the issue of what do we do with the spent fuel? So throughout the entire, like, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, freaking yeah, okay. Nevada, so Nevada. My, yeah. I have my exact, uh, I've written a paper about this, guys. Um, so here you go. Uh, so another major difference between, and, and this is a comparison between wind energy and nuclear. Another difference between the two is that nuclear waste is up to 96% recyclable in the re, uh, reprocessing of nuclear fuel. Unfortunately, the U.S. does not reprocess nuclear fuel due to a law signed in by Jimmy Carter in 1977. Instead, the U.S. stores nuclear waste in sophisticated barrels and buries them deep underground. So why would they choose to bury it rather than recycle it? Money. I assume it's, it's much, you lose too much money as, as a government and under like corporatism. If, if you're a corporation who owns these, these energy facilities, such as like GE and stuff, you lose more money. Um, because by, it's so, so self-sustaining. It's, yes, it's so self-sustaining that you lose money. Yeah. There is no profit motive to a nuclear. There's plant. not as much of a profit motive. I've, I'm Which sure was, you still make money, but, but you're not going to have near the profit margins that you would. Selling solar panels or windmills. Exactly. And it's the same companies that run these nuclear plants that run wind and solar. So these companies are not foreign to the ideas and the know-all about how well nuclear works. 
These are these are companies They're very that well, very are well versed in this. They have some of the best engineers that our, our land has to offer at yeah. GE. And they choose to to do something that breaks down a lot and costs a lot of iron and concrete because not only do they make more money, but the companies they are outsourcing to, which they probably hold a large stake in, yep. also are making money. So how effective is a windmill as far as like if you have one running for a year how much what percentage of the year can you expect it to be producing its necessary amount 37 percent. i actually have my other uh, paragraph here that goes right into that and i'll go ahead and read that right here nuclear plants are very reliable the u.s office of nuclear energy states quote Nuclear power is the most reliable energy source, and it's not even close, end quote. That is what our U.S. government is telling us, yet we still don't capitalize on it. In an article published in 2018, that is recent. That's in two years. That is recent. That is good knowledge right there. This isn't coming from the 1920s when we didn't know about half the stuff we know about now. This is coming from now. So the the article continues to say, quote, nuclear power plants are producing a maximum power more than 92% of the time during the year, while wind energy only produces max power 37% of the year. Okay, so in in other words, if you needed to to produce 100 kilowatt hours um, every, you know, every day in a 30-day month, you know... 20, 26, 27 ish days of the, of the month, the nuclear plant is going to be operating at those 100 kilowatt, but only for like 12 to 13 days of the month. If that is the wind going to be producing at the hundred kilowatts needed. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you some real world numbers on that. Um, the U.S. Energy Information Administration, also known as the EIA, which is what I'll just refer to it as now, um, reports that wind energy receives $6.2 billion, billion while producing 1.6 million British thermal units, BTUs. Um, that heat and energy are the same thing yeah. as, far as, energy, uh, as far as equations and math go in okay. physics. So that's how a lot of people um, will... Uh, call it is is through BTUs. Watts would work as well. So six point two billion dollars equals one point six million BTUs for wind energy. That's across. Yeah. That is what the U.S. is doing. That's in twenty thirteen. Um, this equates three point eight eight million per million BTU. Okay, yeah. so there there's your number three point eight per million BTUs. We go down to nuclear. It's not even close. It's not even close. So, so 3.8 billion per million BTUs. Mil, 3.8 million per million. So that would that would equate to we spend roughly 3 million dollars to get 1 million BTUs. Okay. Of energy. Okay. All right. Done. So here you go. This is going to blow your mind. Nuclear energy receives 1.6 billion. So we have wind energy getting 6 billion billion and nuclear receiving one and a half billion dollars a year. Yeah. Nuclear produces 8.2 million BTUs. 
Okay. It's not even close. Okay. That calculates to 200 million per million BTU. That's why I'm trying to say. So that would insist that would insist that wind is almost a hundred times more efficient. What I think you were trying to say before is that for every 1.6 billion dollars spent, oh, yeah, yeah. you get You're one right. million BTU. I, I missed up the the millions of so for so for wind, it is 1.6 billion dollars per 1 million BTUs. Yeah. Whereas for nuclear, it is $200 200 million per 1 million BTUs. And a brand brand new nuclear plant costs $9 billion to construct, which is a lot for sure. That is the biggest, that is from my understanding, the biggest um, negative is the initial overhead of a nuclear reactor. The initial overhead is ridiculous. But they're producing so much. So the largest largest nuclear plant is in Kajiwazaki Kairua in Japan with a capacity of 7,965 million watts or 7.9 gigawatts of power. That's how much it so can... So it can time travel like a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, it has so much energy 1. coming. 1.21 gigawatts! Yeah, that thing is producing so much. So nuclear efficiency uh, is relatively moderate design so it's just a it's a it's a generator essentially yeah so 45 percent is perfect efficiency um perfect efficiency for a uh windmill and i did the math is 33.33 repeating of course percent so 45 to 33 percent okay so the efficiency is better the the output per cost is better Everything's better. So what you're saying is it's safer. It's so actually, you know what? So for the safer front. And if we if we reprocess fuel, these costs would go down, obviously. We need to so we need to look into nuclear. But before I get into the it's safer front, I think I need to do the service of acknowledging why people think it is unsafe. Go for it. You have you have two two Blatant examples. So you have Chernobyl. Yep. And you have uh, in Japan after their uh, yes, uh, tsunami. Fukushima. Yeah. So I'm just going to use the most. I'm going to use Chernobyl over the Fukushima disaster because to me, the, the disaster in Japan is exactly that. It's a natural disaster. It's a lot harder to comprehend, especially with. The set of circumstances. However, Plus Chernobyl an island, and we aren't. Yeah. Well, so the difference, the thing with Chernobyl is that it was a disaster caused exclusively by negligence and incompetence. For sure. So, the if you have ever watched the series Chernobyl on HBO, and if you haven't, please go watch it. The overarching theme and the overarching message they're trying to get across is that the Chernobyl disaster was the compounding was the compounding effect of negligence after negligence after negligence. So the the initial negligence was creating a nuclear reactor that contained uh, a material that it it's, that itself was, you know, anti-nuclear. It was it was chemically toxic. To involved in a, in a nuclear reaction, and that is the graphite on on the on the shafts, right? Mm-hmm. And so you compound that with um, the failure to acknowledge that when it is being tested, 
the desire to hide those results in the tests, the inability of the government to acknowledge this is a problem in the effect that even if they noticed it in the first plant by not continuing that design in the next plant, like, you know, kind of being like, all right, so the f we're just going to kick the first one off the side and hide it and make sure no one ever hears about those graphite rods. Um, and but the next plant won't have it. No, they just continued. In fact, at the time of the Chernobyl incident, I think it was 23. Uh, there were 23 active nuclear reactors that had the same potentiality for disaster. They had the same kind of graphite setup on their control rods. Um, com then it was compounded by a team of nuclear physicists that f that never once did the safety precautions that they needed to never did the safety tests and when they finally did they short-sighted it and they made it you know they half-assed it and they set themselves up for such failure the entire point that they try to get across at the end is that had this been a western nuclear reactor none of this would have happened three mile island pennsylvania underwent the same style of nuclear meltdown that chernobyl had minus all of the leakage. It was so self-contained that the nuclear radiation that leaked from it was negligible at its worst. At its worst, it was negligible. Um, there was some seepage, but it did so little to infect the environment that there was, there was no long, there were zero long-term effects associated with it because it was a western nuclear reactor that accounted for its necessity to protect the life above all it served it was it's you know they served to protect life and they didn't cut costs they didn't do anything because at the end of the day this is there to produce power and that is the most important part of the thing it does so when you take into account that the the greatest downfall of the worst nuclear disasters we can think of, or at least the worst men-caused nuclear disaster we can think of, and that the whole, you know, the whole reason it happened is that it wasn't a Western uh, nuclear reactor. You start to question, and you start to under, you start to go, wait a second, why isn't the West relying more on this? And then you start to realize the West is just not America. So for those of you who don't know, France, beautiful example, almost exclusively gets their power from nuclear reactors. And yeah, Germany, it's high percentage as well. Exactly. So, and um, I want to apologize for taking all the time here, but um, I just wanted... You are the engineer. I'm the layman. So I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to come here and explain explain this on the layman's terms. But if you wouldn't mind explaining what it is that gives the West an advantage on the nuclear technology side and why we aren't taking, why you think it's not being taken advantage of. What was the first part of the question? Well, I mean, what do you think the Western, like the Western civilization advantage in nuclear technology is? Like, what do you think that the West has? That that keeps us safe? Yeah. Uh, it has to do with Western values of, of reciprocity, honestly. Um, whether they're fully implemented or not, obviously they're not. But um, the core values are still there uh, of treating people how you want to be treated relatively. Um, of course, there are corporations that try to get out of that as much as they can. Yeah. 
But um, that sense of making sure you, you take care of your neighbor. Yeah. So that has been in multiple uh, articles of law and rules that have been followed in the West. Yeah. That's what we're known for. That's why we're known for freedom. So add that. That that is why we the Western have, value on life is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and truth over face. Yeah, Both exactly. of those. Both of those are, are truly what makes us the prime candidate for using nuclear energy. In the West, it is more shambolic for a company to be caught hiding a problem than for your company to have a problem. Yes. Whereas in the in these, you know, the Soviet and the Chinese Communist Party, it is more problematic for them to be caught having the problem than to be caught hiding the problem. Yeah. The, the existence of the problem itself is the problem. Yes. Whereas in America, the exist not in America, but in the West, the existence of the problem is not the problem per se. It's how you react to the problem. Yes. If you if you say we messed up and we are doing everything we can fix it, you are less likely to take a hit from the public eye and the public opinion then you you cover up a problem and we find out later that you've been lying to us this whole time exactly yeah no fully agree so um and then why why america doesn't why is the u.s why not is, yeah why is it that not only is the u.s not pushing it but we're in fact removing it okay um from whose perspective would you like so I as want, an engineer or as uh, more an economy look and like where money is flowing. So, or so on, from the economic side, I'll just explain it political. You, you brought it up earlier, the economic side, it's $9 billion to build a nuclear reactor. So from an economic perspective to say that the that's upfront a lot cost, of jobs, yeah, the upfront <laughs> cost is too much. You know what? That is. That is appreciable. So if your stance is that on the economic side, we need to make it cheaper, I can agree with that. So why is it then that environmentalists on the left are not clamoring for newer, cheaper nuclear technology? Why do you think? I think money is well there. Um, uh, two things. One, if, if you give someone the correct information, yeah, you make them more free. Okay. Knowledge, that's why it's always referred to as knowledge is power. When you give someone a lot of knowledge and, and it's correct and it's truth, then they become more free and less dependent on you. Knowledge is always going to be power. Yes. So the more knowledge someone has, the more they are likely to seek knowledge from other sources. And the less knowledge someone has, the more power you have. Exactly. So... Um, the left pushing everything such as wind and solar, which are the least efficient and, and honestly don't really help us as much as nuclear in the slightest. So with them doing that and attacking coal and natural gas, which are more efficient yeah. than solar and wind, it's not even close, even there even. But they still produce <clears throat> negative emissions. Yes, they, they produce negative emissions. And, and I'm not going to disagree point. with that no. at all. But they, it's very they hold on to that, that part. Yeah, that, I think and that's, that's the only point. part that they hold on to. 
but, they don't but ever wait a talk second, about but, anything else. But wait a second, radical leftists. Nuclear power plants don't have any carbon dioxide emissions. Nope. If you Why are, are you not pushing for that? Well, if you're wondering as a listener, what you see if you look up a picture of nuclear plants, that smoke coming out, it's water vapor. Yeah. Because what they do is they're cooling down and heating up. Well, nuclear. So the way it w- <laughs> nuclear so the- reactions are very hot so because they have a lot of energy producing, and that is what they're capturing is that heat. So what I want you to do, listener, is imagine that there's a fan in front of you, and you blow on it, right? So the way a nuclear reactor works is when you blow on that fan, it, you know the the blades start to rotate faster. Imagine if you could blow harder. Well, the way a nuclear reactor works is that it basically gives you the engine to blow as hard, the hardest you could possibly imagine, you know, continuously at this singular fan. And the only thing that's going to come off that is your, is, your, is your breath vapor. What I'm describing is the fact that the way nuclear reactors work is that they make water so hot that it turns into steam and it powers a turbine that spins generating electricity. And the way the way this works is, you know, the hotter it is, the more steam generated, the faster the turbine works or, you know, chugs along, the more power it produces. The only byproduct is that steam itself, which is just water vapor. Yeah. So it, it's a windmill within a nuclear plant, essentially. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, like Kevin says, what they do is they use these these uh, rods, these control rods, which that's where you're having that in the core. In between, you're having a nuclear reaction. And so they're surrounded in water. The water heats up, goes to a turbine. Hot air rises, goes up to a turbine, and then spins the turbine. Yep. Like you said, an excessive amount. And then an electrical generator captures it. Yep. Then that hot steam has to be cooled back down in order to be reused. So what they do is they go and mix it with the cold water. Or they cool it down using cold water, and then from there, what doesn't blow off as as hot water vapor goes back down in and is reused as a cold water source again to be reheated. Exactly. So yeah, uh, that's all you're seeing when when you look at the pictures. It's just legit H two O. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, like the only byproduct of the nuclear reaction is water vapor, and the um, water is not toxic. toxic. It's regular water. Yeah, so it comes back down in regular way. I know. So in California, I grew up. Obviously, I grew up in Southern California. If you ever went down to San Clemente or San Onofre when the nuclear power plant was operational, they always used to warn about great white sharks because the only byproduct of this nuclear plant was much warmer water, which Mm -hmm. in which attracted sharks, but it wasn't irradiated. Um, In fact, uh, in a conversation I was having earlier, I described. You could put an active rod of, of, of uranium, of, you know, the, the unstable uranium in the deep end of a swimming pool and you yourself can sit in the shallow end and you will not become irradiated because that's just how amazingly good water is at containing radiation. Water itself is one of the great marvels of the universe. Yeah. Um, there is no better substance at maintaining its, at maintaining its, uh, yeah. Crazy enough. This would actually, um, temperature or anything like that. It would clean your water. Yeah. (laughs) You would have cleaner water coming out than probably coming in. (laughs) 
I, because I, boiled water is how you purify water. So this is this is what it's doing. It's boiling that water. You heard it here first, folks. Like next time you're boiling water, use a uranium rod. Yeah. No, don't actually do that, guys. No, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, advise it. If the Libyans are selling you nuclear fuel, give it back to Doc Brown. There's other shit going on here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think okay, I think so. You were asking again. Yeah. Um, why, uh, you know, why the left does this and stuff like that. So, um, so wind turbines, um, they're extremely profitable because it's more or less like a, uh, it's like someone selling you a one use thing. Yeah. They make so much more money on one use items than single use items than something that you can wash and clean and maintain ge's dream is to cover the entirety (laughs) of the state of nevada with windmills yeah uh, i've unfortunately they've really hit the prairies as well just because we're known for wind so here's another funny fact so if the wind is over 40 or 45 miles per hour the turbine shuts down because it it can't rotate well so they actually have like in between 15 miles per hour and 45 miles per hour it's spinning as fast as it can and then after 45 danger it's too dangerous for vibrations and mechanical wear yeah that it shuts itself down so it won't even <laughs> operate in the most opportune I times know, that's what i'm saying oh my yeah. gosh like yeah. even when it's really windy out you're you're like oh honey it's too windy for the windmill to work yeah so if there's probably you know even here in fort collins we get uh it'll be 20 mile per hour wind with 60 mile per hour wind gusts yeah stuff like that 45 they won't to 50 operate. They probably wouldn't operate because if those gusts hit hit, hit that turbine, it'll shut down. Jesus. And they take uh, electricity to start them up. That is information that I have not been able to find on how much energy, because of course it's going to change per company. Yeah. And that's not and that's something, something a company they don't want to reveal. Not, exactly. So I would guess because they don't release it, it's probably a lot, and it probably takes them almost half the day of them working for them to make up how much energy it took them you can probably, to start them back up. You can probably tell how much it takes because you got to assume that they have to be, that any company is going to operate on at the minimum a slight advantage. Yeah. So however, you know, um, if you have two days and one day it's not operating because, you know, 11 of the 24 hours it was windy and the next day it is operating because 12 and a half hours of the 24, it was windy. You can kind of figure that, you know, it takes about 11 and a half hours to almost 12 hours worth of their energy just to get them going. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think this energy conversation is definitely one that we're going to have to keep going into. But for today, I think this has been enough nonsense for the average person. Yeah, easily. So thank you again for joining us on another episode of Common Nonsense with Kevin and Kobe. Be prepared for more content coming up. We're going to be trying out some some of our little mini episodes coming up here soon. So be on the lookout for those again. We're just trying to get our feet under us. And until until such a time as we have that completely figured out, just be on the lookout for the little ones. Yeah, have fun going back to work, guys. Yeah, <laughs> good luck to everyone. Stay safe out there. And have a wonderful, wonderful uncommonly cool day yeah like share subscribe let us know how we're doing in our reviews thank you very much